Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly, but right now, give us a call. Alex is here producing. He'll answer the phone. Your first name and where you're calling from is all he needs. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, concerns, or ideas. And Mr. Kelly, yo, how's your yard looking? It's looking good, actually. Some of the the plants that you know that kind of go dormant in the heat in right. the summer are now blooming, and they're beautiful. Wow! We've done some trimming. We took out the uh, half of our garden is the sunflowers and wildflowers, right? And that's basically empty right now. Uh, got a couple wildflowers that are still blooming and mm-hmm. looking nice, and Great. so I'm going to go. I'm going to work on that a little bit more here in the coming days. But, uh, yeah, it's looking really nice. Came out the other morning, and I tweeted out a picture of, of just the, the pond. I call it the pond. It's just a little water thing out there. Uh-huh. But uh, with the banana plant behind it and the sun and the, the the kind of fog a little bit, you know, and the way it shows the beams coming through. The, I mean, it's just gorgeous and so quiet. So, uh, yeah, it's still a little slice of Perfect. Yeah. Well, speaking of fog, were you foggy this morning? Came through a little bit of fog this yeah. morning. Yeah. Did you see any? No, I didn't really see it, but it was mm-hmm. all over my windshield and everything. Yeah. Even when I was driving. So. Yeah, very humid. Yes. Yeah. So I came through a little bit this outrageous. morning. Yeah. But uh, how's your yard looking? Pretty good, actually. Pretty I good. Mean, well, you know, there was a couple disappointments this year, plants that I tried that I hadn't grown before, mm-hmm. and they were disappointing. Now I know why I hadn't grown them before. <laughs> <laughs> I probably tried them before and uh-huh. uh, realized. But other than that, no, everything's almost overly spectacular. Good, good. It's an, it, it is a nice time of year. I dread what's coming, but you got to <laughs> love those cooler evenings. And like midweek this week, we're going to be in the 70s. Right, for highs. So, yeah, so it's going to be nice. Great. Well, sure. thanks. You bet. Folks, it is Saturday morning, and we get together. Even though I wasn't here last Saturday, that's okay. Sometimes there's more important things than Mike Miller and the Garden Hotline that needs to be aired on KMOX. We have to, or we can be talking about what's going on in your backyard, your front yard, your side landscape. Oh, that specialty garden space. It's been a little disappointing. No, it's been spectacular. A taste of the tropics. Your houseplants better get ready to get them going indoors because if the highs this upcoming week is going to be in the 70s, that means the lows are starting to get lower and not enough to cause problems yet. But you got to think about migration of the plants, tropicals, houseplants inside. 
Should you be improving your soil? Should you be pruning this time of year? How about bugs and diseases? And uh, the information I'll share with you, hopefully my thoughts will help you orchestrate and solidify your option with a final judgment, obviously going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before, Alex, he's producing. So he pushes all the buttons and answers the phone as well. So very talented person. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. If you'd like for me to come and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today after the show, I'm headed in the city of St. Louis off Nottingham, or on Nottingham, actually, Nottingham and Hampton, basically. So a little bit closer than some of the places I've been recently. Well, that's uh, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I'll tell you what, when I stepped outside this morning, I looked to the northeast, and the sky was just absolutely spectacular. The, the sun was red highlighting the rising, or the, the clouds, they were just like almost, I don't know, puffballs up there, a whole big bunch of them. But the sun turned them red, and that was just really striking. So I headed down Gravoy and towards a huge windmill, historic building with a German flair to it, Das Bevo. And I decided, well, rather than, you know, I've walked around the front and other places too, to go ahead and just do the uh, beer garden, historic fire engine in there. I never had, I didn't realize that was in there before. So I don't know how old that fire engine is, but it is very, very old. There's seating out in the open, but you can seat or sit under a, like a tent-type thing if you want to keep the sun off you. There's a huge pair of metal feet that are just kind of sitting there. There are some uh, blue, low-growing junipers with a yellow mom accent. There's planters and planting spaces with begonias and boxwood and river birch. There's a fire pit, and there's also wood there to burn. There's variegated ivies. There's yellow moneywort, or creep, yellow creeping jenny, some people call there's corn stalks, but also there's rhubarb plants. There's some 10-foot-high sunflowers and all kinds of different cutouts of this and that and everything else. There's one of these boards that you can stand behind and put your face in and uh, get your picture taken. But the front of the board has been painted so you have, like, German clothes on, female and male. And then behind it is Das Bevo there, so that's kind of cool. There's uh, abelias. There's more ivies, not the uh, variegated one, just the green one. And it was uh, really just kind of neat. There's dwarf blue spruce. There's a banner that announce, announces Oktoberfest. And uh, columnar oaks running along the sidewalk there on the inside of the fence. But, I mean, these columnar oaks are really, really super narrow. So, consequently, it's really kind of neat. There's other things that are spicing up the area around the beer garden and the mugo pines. There's metal animal heads sticking up here and there and everywhere. And there's uh, angel wing begonias. There's blooming sage. There's gold thread branch cypress. And a f all of a sudden, on, I saw a big flock of pigeons, and they landed on top of the chimney in one of the, on the, one of the buildings. So it was really kind of interesting. The crickets were singing a perfect song this morning. And it was a perfect place to spend the last weekend of summer 
would be in the beer garden at uh, Das Bevo, so at the Bevo Mill. So Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, there is going to be the Forest Park Balloon Race again, so that's kind of cool. We used to go see that all the time. I don't know if Tracy is up for it this week, but anyway, let's start off in West County and go into Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Uh, yes, Mike, you mentioned on your show a couple of weeks ago not to put pre-emergent on zoysia yet. When is a good time to put pre-emergent on zoysia? Well, zoysia doesn't is not going to be impacted by, you know, as far as... It was just because of the heat at that particular time. And to be honest with you, we're almost to the point where most things that are going to germinate that the uh, pre-emergent would work on have already germinated. So, I mean, you could put some on, but uh, don't expect a whole lot of difference if you don't have a lot of weeds in your zoys in the first place. No, I don't. Okay. Okay. So just... so do it or, or not bother. Okay. Yeah, right. It's not. It's we're really getting kind of late because I, you know, I don't do the pre-emergent in my own yard because I want to be able to watch as stuff you know starts germinating and what it is and everything else. So I use my own yard as a laboratory more or less. And okay. the last two weeks, I have not really, and I have zoysia. I have not really seen a lot of different things germinating at all. So that basically, I think we might be kind of at the end of the pre-emergent season. Now, so it's too late for me to put pre-emergent on the rest of my lawn? Uh, you could go ahead and do it if you've got it. But uh, okay. with the temperatures next week going to be in the high in the 70s, that's, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of getting the ground's going to start cooling. And then consequently, okay. then the seeds that may be there just laying, it may be too cool to trigger their germination. And then consequently, if they don't germinate, the pre-emergent is not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you very much for your help. I appreciate sure. it. My Thanks. pleasure. And now let's go from West County to Lake St. Louis and see what's going on with Jane. Hi, Jane. Um, good morning, Mike. I need your help. Um, I have a lawn fungus, and I've never encountered that before. I have put one application down. It is now time to do a second, and I have three questions. Um, may I rake out the dry, dead stuff before I spray it with the um, application. Number two, when can I recede? And number three, my next-door neighbor um, has this in his yard, and he's done nothing. So is this whole attempt futile on my part? Well, it's not necessarily futile, but yes, rake, you know, the areas that you're going to be, you know, going after with the fungicide. But just realize, if you rake all those brown, let's say, damaged you know, grass blades onto green grass, you're just spreading it all over the place. So the, the fungus can be spread physically on mowers, you know, by raking it on top of grass that isn't impacted and other things. So just be real cautious of that. And the fact that your neighbor has it and has the same thing doesn't really mean that much difference unless he comes over, you know, he walks around in his yard and then he comes over into your yard and walks because, the, I mean, the fungus can get on the bottom of people's shoes. They can get on, you know, squirrels' feet. It can get on mm. dogs' feet. So lots of different things. And I forget what your third question was. Uh, when can I recede? Uh, you're, we're getting, you know, you better get it done pretty quick because it's got to get well germinated and the root system established before, you know, colder weather starts coming. So uh, if you're waiting to get, you know, another application of the fungicide, 
before you put down the seed, I would say maybe skip the fungicide and go and get the seed in the ground first. Okay, and then can I apply the fungicide after that seed has come up? Well, it's probably going to be too late. Too late? Okay. Okay, go after it in the spring. Just really set up the system for next year and go sequentially after it, you know, as early as, you know, according to the weather. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much. I needed your help. (laughs) Sure, my pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Yep, and now let's go to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Hi, good morning. How are you doing today? Hi. Good. I had a question. Last year when we brought in plants, which we do every year, we had a big issue with these little flying gnats almost. They like light. If you turn, if you read a book or open a newspaper, they'll fly onto it. They like the computer screen. It seems like they're in the soil of the plant, not not on the plant to us. So uh, are they like gnats? Is that what they are? If they look like a gnat to me. Uh, really, really small. Yeah, they could, I mean, they could certainly be gnats. I mean, this is a time of year where, you know, they can be really prominent. So best thing to do is before you buy plant material is just shake the plant and that you're going to buy, whether it's a, you know, a six-pack or whether it's a flat or whether it's a one-gallon pot and just see or just take your finger and kind of move it around on the surface of the potting mix and see if anything comes flying out. That way you can find out if it's coming from there. But they're just naturally in the outdoors just in general. So it may be related to the new plants you have bought, but it might be just, you know, a natural occurrence because, I mean, gnats are all over the place right now. So can they actually be in your potting mix that's sealed? Is that possible or not? Generally not. I mean, that's, if they're in, you know, if if they've been put into a pot or a six pack or something, and then, I mean, they can get into there, as you know, that has plants in it, but just you know, a bag that's sealed, that's not going to be usually the case. Okay, and you were talking that you have zoysia. What, like, next is there anything I need to do before next uh, early spring? Uh, basically, just make sure that you make the final, you know, the final cut going into wintertime. You want it pretty short, about two inches. And uh, some of the stuff I'm reading now said you should start cutting your zoysia down to two inches right now. And I disagree with that because that cuts it too close. I'm still cutting mine at about three inches. And it, when I, once I start to see it turning brown, then I'll start cutting it a little bit lower. I'll take a half inch off, so two and a half. And then my final cut will probably be, uh, you know, it's going to be weather dependent, of course. But uh, the final cut will be not quite, you know, two inches. But I probably will make my final cut at about two and a half inches. Okay. And next year, what's the first? thing you do to treat your lawn and what time of year do you do that you just watch you know till it starts greening up there's not too much you can do prior to that unless you have a weed problem like broadleaf weeds you can go out there with like a weed be gone type product and spray the individual weeds that won't, it won't impact your zoysia grass at all but uh, don't use roundup but use one something specifically for broadleaf weeds okay great thank you sure my pleasure Bye-bye. And let's see, where should we go now? <laughs> let's go over to DJ's yard. Hi, DJ. Good morning. How are you, Mike? Very good. I've got a 20-year-old scotch pine in the front. It's a gorgeous tree, but I feel like I need to trim the bottom of the tree up a little bit. 
Do I just go in there and go right next to the trunk and trim it up a little bit, or what would you recommend? Depends upon how long the branches are. If they're more than a couple feet, I'd cut them, cut it off in sections. With the final, you know, section or final section, you're going to leave about a quarter to a half inch stub on the trunk of the tree where it's uh, attached. And I probably would wait on that. I wouldn't do it quite yet. I wait until we're more into the winter time. What would you suggest, like late October or November? Or? Yeah, so I mean, we're going to have some nice days to get out there and do it. And you're going to have some sap running out of it, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, generally, sometimes people say, well, you shouldn't be you know, pruning conifers, which pines are, spruces are, those kind of things, you know, in the wintertime right. because of the sap flow. But you're really going to get the sap flow regardless of the time of year. And so consequently, right. if you... Uh, you can limb them up, but just make sure that you don't cut too close to the trunk. And so you leave a, uh, you expose a cambium layer, which is a, a layer that's really important as far as moving nutrients up and down the tree. And then also if you leave a stub, that's an invitation for diseases and or insects. Right. This, this is a gorgeous tree. It's my 1999 Christmas tree. Whoa. I don't want to have anything happen to it. It's so beautiful. And I just, I'm going to clean the bottom up a little bit so I can get under it a little bit better with the lawnmower, you know? I would say just put mulch underneath it and then stay away stay away with your lawnmower. Why, you know, why cut off branches if you like it? Well, it, 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 you you got to get under there a little bit. You know, it's so big, the branches are probably about seven or eight foot long. Oh. So it's, it's coming a little bit closer to the house than I anticipated, okay. if you know what I'm Right. So in other words, then that makes it about fifteen feet wide at the you know totally, so easy easy fifteen feet yeah. So consequently, yeah, you can limit up uh, and you could either do it now or you can wait and do it later on if you want to watch it in case we have some some cool snows or anything. Yeah, I think I'll just wait until it's a little bit cooler, like you said, right. and leave it as you said from the trunk. Yeah, about a quarter to a half inch stub is all you want to leave. But since the okay. branches are that long, definitely cut them off in sections. Cut off like two feet, then cut off another two feet, and then the final cut will be, you know, the f whatever it happens to be. But so just do I wait in between the cutting, or just two feet, and then and then wait a week, or no, just no, all no, at you once? can do it the same day. Oh, okay. You're just cutting right. it off. So what happens if you cut it off with a f just one cut, basically at the trunk? The weight of that branch may tear the bark. That's what you want to avoid. Oh, okay. So it I has understand. nothing to do with anything except the physical weight of the branch. Okay, and they're very heavy. Thank you for that advice very much. I didn't understand that at all. Okay. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Appreciate your show. Thank you sure. so much. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the last weekend of summertime, so uh, you know, fall's headed right on Wednesday. That's the first day of fall. Speaking of that... I was talking to Tracy last night, and I said, you know, fall starts on Wednesday. I guess we changed the clocks. And she said, are you crazy? <laughs> so we don't change the clocks until November. I forgot that we had to make sure it was as light as possible for Halloween for the kids. So anyway, enough of that stuff. 
Uh, let's go to Fred's yard. Hi, Fred. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, so I get a couple of questions. Crepe myrtle, um, it's a beautiful plant, and I've seen it in this area. It, um, can you give me some advice on planting that? Uh, basically, it's going to do better if it's in full sun and improved soil, not just in our heavy-duty clay. So in other words, uh, dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball and mix in some organic matter you know, with, uh, with the soil before you put it back into it. And plant it about uh, with 20% or so, 10 to 15, 20% of the root ball above the surrounding ground so it'll be higher than the surrounding ground. And uh, other than that, they're pretty much tough and durable. I mean, severe winter could kill them all the way to the ground, but those, the root system will survive and they'll come back from that. But for the most part, they don't get too much winter damage anymore at all. Okay. Thank you. Um, the second question is on a poinsettia. I've I've nursed it since Christmas, and I've got a beautiful green plant in, indoors. When is that ter- going to turn red? Uh, you got to make it turn red. So in other words, you're going to have to put it, this is kind of nutty, uh, going to have to put it in dark for about 12 hours every day. So total darkness, like in a closet or something like that. And then it'll start slowly but surely turning red. So in greenhouses, what they do is they... You know, they more or less can cover the greenhouse where they're growing so no light gets in on them. So that's how they trigger that. Okay. So I can do that every day. Yes, right. For And then you'll start to just, I mean, every so often just look at it and see if you start to see. And, I mean, you put it in there for 12 hours, but then you got to bring it out, you know, for the other 12 hours so it gets some light because to just leave it in a closet is going to die because of moisture and lack of light and things along that line. Okay. All right. And then about a lawn. I, I, my, I have a lot of bare spots. Is this a good time to, to seed? Uh, you're going to have to do it pretty quickly because we want to make sure the seed usually takes any place between, let's say, 5 and 15 days before it's going to germinate. So it's got to germinate. It's got to get its root system established before we have any, let's say, colder weather because young germinated, you know, any kind of grass blade or grass plants or really anything – that's coming from seed is really susceptible to cold weather, and that's where you got to watch out. So you got to get it, you know, get it going as fast as you possibly can. Would it be better to wait till the spring and use like a, a Scotts Easy Seed product? No, I would not because the ground is warm now, and this is a perfect time of year for planting, whether it's seed or anything else. Trees, shrubs, perennials, all that stuff. Warm ground because we're coming out of summertime actually triggers the growth. Springtime, the ground is cold because we're coming out of winter, and it really kind of messes up stuff. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now mm-hmm. let's go over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Yeah. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. Um, I got a couple questions. One of them you just kind of answered with the previous caller, but I moved out to Lake St. Louis, and I have a lawn that needs a lot of work. Um, I, I threw a bunch of, or I seeded last fall, late August, early September with Jaguar grass seed. And, mm-hmm. and that helped a little bit, but a lot of my backyard is full sun most of the day and it's mostly weeds. Um, so I was wondering what the best course of action as far as aeration, seeding, um, whatever you would recommend. 
Well, if you know, if it's mostly you know a circumstance like you're talking about, first of all. By doing seed and trying to get a good lawn, let's say a thick lawn, you're looking at multiple years of putting seed down in May and every September for five, six, seven, or maybe even eight years to get a thick lawn. And during right. that process, you're going to have to be you know, controlling the weeds, especially the broadleaf weeds. The, the narrow leaf, the, like annual bluegrass and things like that, you're going to go after that with a pre-emergent. But you have to be really careful putting pre-emergent down because, you know, when you put the grass seed down, it can kill grass seed as it germinates, too. It doesn't care what it's killing because it creates a chemical barrier on the surface of the ground. So it's just going to be a long, involved process. And uh, if you've got certain areas that are more important, I would say consider getting some sod rather than trying to just use, you know, seed because, like I said, the process is going to be very, very involved. Okay, so what what would be if, I mean, I plan on living here for quite a few years, okay. so, I mean, I can invest the time. What's what's my best course of action? Basically, I would get a core aerated, and I would get a, a quarter to a half inch of compost spread on top of the ground after you have the core aeration, and then put the seed down with that and get it done. You know, if you can get it done soon, that would be better. Right. And is there any kind of seed that you recommend? Well, there's nothing wrong with jaguar. That's a type of fescue. So any of the fescues are fine. Fescue is, you know, its cousin of the, of the fescue lawn is, you know, it has a fescue that's, a, that's native here to the, you know, Missouri. So it's, it's closer relationship to things that are actually growing here. So fescue is by, it's not the classic lawn look, but it is tough and durable. Okay, so go with fescue. So a jaguar would be good seed to go with. Well, yeah, but personally, I would say go with a fescue blend as opposed to one particular type, because we okay. never know if some kind of weird disease is going to come through and impact one versus another. So with a blend, you have the tendency to be having, let's say, all your bases covered. Right. So is it best to get it aerated first before you seed? Yes. Right. Because you put okay. the seed down and the core aeration can kind of mess it up. So core aerate, compost, and then the seed, or you can core aerate seed and then put compost on top of it. Okay. Um, I have another question. In the front yard, we've got a holly tree. Or actually, there's a couple holly trees. It looks like, I guess, maybe a male and a female because one side blooms and the other side doesn't. But there's also a third tree growing up through the middle of it. Is that common? Is it also, uh, is, is it another holly that's growing through? Uh, no. Yeah, it's probably a honeysuckle or something like that. Some bird ate a berry of something, sat on your holly, and then went to the bathroom, and then that's what's germinating there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's taller than the holly tree. <laughs> Get rid of it. <laughs> Go in there and cut it off, and then leave about a foot you know, of length, Make the cut at a 45-degree angle, and they get round up for killing woody plants and paint it on that wound right after you cut it so it can get absorbed down in there and kill it off that way. Okay. And is it common for holly trees to have, like, a, a male and female side? Well, no, not on a side. I mean, they could do it that way, but usually it's separate plants. With the female getting the berries and the male not, you know, has flowers, but, but it produces pollen that goes— uh, you know, over to or that goes over and uh, let's say fertilizes the female flower so it can have the berries. 
Yeah, this this is two separate trees. Okay. Or three separate trees, actually, with this third one, whatever it is. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you can, when you buy them, generally they will tell—usually what I tell people is, you know, get two females and just get a small male and plant it in the same hole with the female. That way you have the pollinator right there, and you don't have one right. plant that's never going to have any berries on it. Yeah, so it's common that one of them does not have berries and one of them does. Right. The male does not have berries, but it will have flowers, small white flowers, because that's, you know, that's how the uh, female gets, uh, let's say, fertilized. Yeah, because I'm looking looking at it right now. It looks like the female is is got all kinds of berries and stuff on it now, but the male doesn't. Right. Yeah, I shouldn't say fertilized, but uh, anyway. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. How you doing, Mike? Uh, I got a question about uh, crepe myrtle. Uh-huh. It's doing it's doing really well. It's been established for several years, and it's getting very tall. It's uh, up to the roof line, and I don't want it that big. Right. How how far should I trim that back, and when should I trim it? Basically, because it's a summer bloomer, you can prune it any time after it finishes flowering and the foliage falls off this fall, all the way up until spring when the new growth begins. So uh, mm-hmm. you got, and probably I would not cut rather than trying to cut, drastically cut it. And there'll be plenty of people, and there have been plenty of people that said I've cut my crepe myrtle all the way back down to the basically the ground or to two or three feet. And it's come back fine. I just, you know, taking a chance on that is something I prefer not to do. So cutting off about 20 or 25% of it, and then if it's not enough over time, then wait for another year and then cut it back again and then then get it down to the size. Or just realize that this particular variety is one that's going to get big, and uh, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, with anything pruning, you can cut it back, but sometimes if you cut it back too much, yes, some will do, you know, will survive, but the majority may not. And that's why I always advise not to cut it too severely, regardless of crepe myrtle or anything else. So thanks, Jim. Right. And now let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi. Uh, good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, question about wisteria. I have a huge plant, uh, maybe eight by eight. It's many years old. Uh, it, I usually cut it all the way back and it, it comes out fine, but I realize I have never had any flowers. If I, you know, the, the runners that are eight, 10 feet long, if I tie those together and pull them down because they want to go under the gutters, will I, will that work? Do I, will I still have flowers? Uh, if basically what you're doing is because wisteria flowers in the springtime, if you're cutting it off this time of year or after this, you're cutting off the, the flower buds yeah. for next year. Well, uh, I, I know that now, but it's in a place, it obscures my view out the pit. I've been there. It's in an alcove, but live and learn. Right. Uh, but it's gorgeous. Uh, you know, it fills out. It's such a big plant. Well, tying it down, uh, the, some of the runners, would it still bloom? I'll let them loose in the fall or, I mean, in the spring. 
Well, it may, but also when you're pulling it down, you may crack, you know, may tr- crack that stem, and it may cause that to not, you know. Oh, I'm. It's got many stems. It's huge. Right. Well, let's go uh, out and just play with it and see what happens. Well, I've got a lot of them tied together and then tied down, but I wanted to know if that's the right thing that I'll that it's worth all this problem. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's a lot of work, and I don't know if it is worth it. Because I don't okay. know exactly how many flowers you're going to get off of it by doing that. So, I mean, uh, you, can, you can call next year and just let me know. But uh, I've never uh, heard of anybody doing that uh, before. I don't want to cut the cut the vines, you know, the long runners off. Right. Okay. Uh, do we wait till after frost before cut roses back to a couple feet? Yeah, definitely. Don't do it okay. too soon. So, yeah. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Yep. And... Let's go to Lynette. Lynette, how are you? Yes, hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm going, well, I'm in the process of moving, and I want to move two of my, two rose bushes that were my mother's. And where I want to permanently permanently put them is not ready um, because I've got to tear out a whole bunch of old landscaping. So I assume I need to put them in big pots and put the pots in the ground over the winter. Exactly. Can I cut back those roses before I move them because they're like three feet tall? Uh, yeah, you could certainly do that. Uh, but uh, if you can leave them you know, three feet tall, I would leave them. But if you need to cut them back, just go ahead and do that. Just make sure before you dig them up that you water them really well a day or two ahead of time. So, and okay, just make sure that's you get good adequate, advice. Yeah. At least a three-gallon, if not a five-gallon pot. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you. Sure. And let's see. George, could you do it kind of quick? Hey, George. Hello, George. Guess guess George is not there. Uh, Jim, could you do it kind of quickly? Gee, I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Hello? Yeah, could you do it quickly? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I planted a garden last year with the uh, St. Louis compost uh, uh, raised bed soil, and then this year it didn't quite, wasn't quite as vigorous, so I was curious about what I have to do as far as fertilizing, and I also have a strawberry patch. How do I fertilize that? I can't really, like, uh, you know, dig up the dirt to put the stuff in it. Yeah, basically you can use a liquid-type fertilizer for your strawberries, and I'd say just work up the soil and just add some compost to, you know, to the raised bed mix and just kind of it may take a couple times of mixing it up with the existing soil to get a good quality soil. So that's what you're really looking at. How much compost should I use for that? Uh, probably just one, you know, one to two inches on the top. Of the you know over the whole area and then churn that in you know rototill shovel whatever in with the existing soil. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yes, folks, and we got all kinds of stuff going on. We got another hour of the show, so if you do have any questions or concerns, three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. A lot of good questions today, so uh, we're kind of like I said, this is the last weekend of summer. And enjoy.
Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks. And welcome to the Garden Hotline. And it's the tip of the trial hour. And I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Mr. Kelly, how about a hummingbird update? We, I've seen Still have two, them. Yeah, I've seen two this past, uh, just within the last two or three days. Did you? Yeah, we've still, it, it's come down. We're yeah. not filling up the feeders quite as often, about every other day now, pretty much. But, uh, yeah, they're still around, and they are uh, vicious to each other. They don't like it. when They don't like when they have fewer numbers. It seems like they really get at each other. They really protect their, their, uh, their feeders. When I came home the other day, it was pretty cool. I just walked out and stood fairly close to a feeder at the top of the hill there, you know, the backyard. And I had one come up and, like, almost touched my finger looking at what I had in my hand. Wow. And it was a coffee cup. Uh, my, it, it's a Tervis cup. But it came right up and was right there again. And then another one came down and went zoom and chased them away. So, yeah, they're still there and they're still fun. Yes. Yeah, we have some orange lights in our kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, the, I mean, in the window. Yeah. And that one of the hummingbirds actually came up and looked at the... The lights that were on the inside of the house. Yeah. It's like, what? This, this is, <laughs> who did this? I'm going to get this guy. No, so, well, they're really hungry. Yeah. Getting ready to head south. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks. You bet. Yes. And thanks to you folks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds for annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, you know, water gardens, vines, trees, shrubs, lawns, roses, and perennials. Remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is producing, so he answers the phone and pushes all the buttons. During the week, I do landscape consulting and uh, on the weekends as well. Today, I'm headed into the city of St. Louis down on Nottingham and going to take a look at that yard there. So if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. You can get my email address or phone number, and uh, we can schedule a time. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And uh, since last week, because of 9-11, the 20th anniversary, the Garden Hotline wasn't uh, on, unfortunately. (laughs) I didn't know what it was going to do. But anyway... It's going to be a multiple tip of the trowel today. One of the tip of the trowels is the flag display, the Flags of Valor, that was at Forest Park on Art Hill. Tracy and I went twice, actually, once during the day, and uh, there's like 7,500 flags. And it was honoring victims and military uh, and first responders, all related to the 9-11 attack. So it was just in the war in the Middle East also. And it was just absolutely amazing. When we stepped out of our car and walked around the trees and everything and just saw all those flags, and, I mean, they were produced. I mean, whoever engineered this whole thing and whoever orchestrated, actually, the placement of the flags, they were exact. So they had actually uh, sprayed some spots on the ground. And, I mean, each one of these flags actually had an ID tag and a picture of the person as well. And then there was a, a thing at the bottom that had pictures of all the all the victims 
And so it was just incredible. So we were there during the day. And then the next night, when the moon was just a sliver, but Venus was really bright, we went at night because they, were, they had lights on them, and we wanted to see how they looked at night. I, you know, personally, I thought it was more striking during the day, but at night with that moon over it, uh, Tracy got some great photographs of that. So they get a tip of the trowel. Also, the uh, getting the tip of the trowel is going to be the, uh, uh, let's see, let's see, the false, the green center, sorry, and it's registration for the fall natural play programs. And so these are for kids basically 4 to 10 years old, and they're everything from natural automobile, which you're going to make, prairie play, leaf art, I spy a Halloween hunt, cooking with pumpkins, all kinds of different things. So the Green Center is located in on Blackberry Avenue in University City. So you can contact them. At, you can go to classes at thegreencenter.org and it'll list all the various classes. And then also, we finally found some pansies. Somebody emailed me and told me that there was a nursery that had pansies, and we went and got a flat. So this was Findler's Nursery on Lime Ferry Road. So we got, uh, we got some really dark purple ones, and they look good. I've already got them planted in window boxes uh, in the window, in the kitchen window. So we look out, and uh, it's really nice to see the pansies. So... We had a difficult time finding them this year for whatever reason. So, again, Flags of Valor, the Green Center, and then Fendler's Nursery on Lime Ferry for because they had the pansies that we really liked that color. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over to Karen Gerard first. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a, a peewee hydrangea in a front flower bed, and uh, the first year it it did real well. The second year, um, it really didn't. The the spikes really just kind of laid down on the ground, um, and so then I started staking it. It's probably about six feet wide and that tall. Also, is there is that typical, or is there a way to get those branches? Um, do I need to do something to get them more sturdy so they stand up on their own? And then finally, a uh, question about when to prune. Thank you. Yeah, basically you prune. You really don't need to prune them per se. Just cut off the flower heads. And as far as the ability to get the stems strong enough to hold you know, up because of the weight of the flowers, that's where, you know, and it's not just the flowers them themselves, but when it rains, the wet, you know, the moisture and everything else also catches in the flower clusters, and that's what causes it to bend over. But, no, there's nothing you can really do to make those stems any stronger. So uh, Okay. Okay. They're, they're on the ground even before they flower. So really? I guess that, that's just the, is that just the plant? The, yeah, the that's the something screwy with that if they're laying down before they're flowering. So okay. I would say, you know, maybe try cutting – I don't know how many stems are coming up out of the ground. It sounds like there's quite a few. Maybe cut yeah. back, of, you know, cut half of them back about uh, to six or eight inches and see what's the end result of that versus the ones that you left unpruned. Okay. Okay. And then any time after they flower. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. After, well, basically not after, they fl- after the flowers finish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. 
into the fall and that kind of thing. Right, exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, and you got basically after they finish flowering, because they are summer bloomers, you got all the way up until this, you know, the new growth starts coming out of the stems, and that new growth is going to be leaves in the springtime. So you got about four or five months to do the pruning. Okay, very good. Thank you. Sure, and now let's go over to Don's yard, and he lives in Sunset Hills. Hi, Don. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hi, this is John, Sunset Hills. Sorry. Hey, um, th- that's okay. Um, I have a question concerning my garden. Uh, am I supposed to amend it this fall and turn it in with a tiller and then in the springtime till it up again, or how is that supposed to work? You know, as far as you can just till it, you don't need to re-till it again. If you do a good job working it, you know, any kind of organic matter or anything in, just one time in the fall or one time in the spring before you do any kind of planting. Oh, so I can amend in the spring also. Right. Just do it early so you can get everything all taken care of. Okay, great. Uh, now, is there anything that you recommend, like uh, just compost or like manure or, uh, or, or chicken droppings or anything? Basically, manure, you just have to be really careful with because, I mean, I was at somebody's house the other day, and they said somebody offered them horse manure. That's great. You know, it is manure, but unfortunately, horses don't have stomach systems like cows. So, in other words, a horse can eat something that has seed, and those seeds will pass all the way through and end up in the manure, and then you're adding weeds into your garden by putting horse manure in. So I would say something that's been cooked you know, in other words, composted. It's a blend of multiple things. You get the multi, you know, you get a much better benefit than of just using one type thing like manure. Okay. And so that compost um, is just called compost for gardens, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you just don't want to get it into a plastic bag that weighs about 50 or 60 pounds. It's too heavy. So uh, you just, you want it, you, it's going to have some bulk to it. There's no getting around it. But in other words, you know, my concern is if it's been sitting around a nursery, it does have you know holes in it so it can breathe. But if there's been a lot of rain or moisture get into it, that could you know be some problems for just kind of in general. Okay, and then spread about two inches uh, on top, and then uh, work it in. Exactly. Okay, great, great. All right, well, thank you so much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This past week, I was in House Springs, kind of a cool place down there. And uh, like I said before, I'm headed to uh, the city of St. Louis. So all over the place. Let's head over to Kevin's yard now, though. Hi, Kevin. Thank you, Mike. I have a tall, mature sweet gum tree, otherwise healthy looking, with an oil black stain at the base, about 14 inches in diameter, with rotting, crumbling uh, uh, bark and uh, a rotting odor. Um, I don't like... What I've read about this, I've had two opposing opinions from different tree services on whether or not to cut down the tree. What do you think? Uh, basically, if it's if it's problematic for you, I would say you should be removed. If not, it's probably not going to something. It's not going to be something that's going to kill it immediately. 
it's just, you know, one of those things that happen with, you know, in the outdoors here, depending upon the individual situation, what actually caused it, you know, it's a little bit difficult to tell. But uh, if the tree's healthy, you don't mind the sweet gum balls and everything else. You don't mind the smell. You don't mind the look. Then I would say they sh- it should stay. But if if those things are becoming problematic for you, then, you know, it should be removed. But just remember, when you remove a tree, then the area within t- is probably a larger mature tree, I'm assuming. And then consequently, the area let's say 20 feet around where the uh, the existing tree was, you're not going to be really having good success with planting another tree in that space. No, and it is, it is about, uh, with an expansion we did when we bought the home, it is about 20 feet away from the home and uh, some uh, significant branches over the top Ooh. of the house. My tendency would be then this tree should probably, you know, just the overall big picture should probably come down. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, this heartwood rot, you know, that's causing this, it's just with the storms and winds and stuff we've had lately, boy, oh boy. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Joe's yard and he lives in Afton. Hi, Joe. Thank you for taking my call, Mike. I want to dig up a bleeding heart bush that I have and give it to a neighbor of mine, and the soil around it right now is real hard. I can't get a spade in it. I was thinking about using a deep watering attachment I got from my hose and going around the circumference of it to wet it down real good down in there so that I can get a spade down in it. Now, should I give it to her as a as with soil attached to it, or should I do a bare root and let her put it in her soil. No, you should take soil with it. So we're talking about bleeding heart, which is a perennial that blooms in the springtime. Yeah, that's all it's good for. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. But uh, no, you don't know. I mean, you're making, all you have to do is run a hose at a trickle, you know, the night before. That should be adequate as far as, you know, and I don't know how big this particular plant is, but you only need to go a few inches beyond however wide it is you know, to get the root ball. And you don't have to go very deep, you know, not even a full spade deep, maybe three-quarters of a spade deep, and then just undercut it. Okay. And, I was just that was going to be my next question. How deep did I have to go with it? Yeah. It's been in there like five years. Yeah, still the root systems, you know, of any kind of perennial, they may go deeper than that, but the important root systems are within, you know, a few inches of the crown, and that's where the stems and the root systems meet. So if you went down, let's say, four or five inches and at an angle and just started prying, you know, the whole thing up because in the soil is wet, so consequently it's going to be, you know, it's going to be held together, then you could just put it in a cardboard box and take it to her. You don't have to do anything really elaborate. Okay. Now, right now I, I was out there and I noticed that the uh, this year's growth is starting to die off on it now. Right. But. In the fall, it, it goes down to nut, almost flat with the ground. Right. And, and then comes up under my hydrangea does the same thing. That's it, strange it with a hydrangea, unless it's a perennial hydrangea and not a shrub type. Well, it's a perennial hydrangea, I guess. Okay. Uh, it's, I've had it in for five years. Okay. But, yeah, and, it, anything that blooms in the springtime, fall is the best time to be moving it. 
And you should and tell it, her that it's coming so she can get the area ready and she can put it into the ground. Okay. Now, um, should I be pr- pruning like that hydrangea and this, well, like this, should I prune it off when I give it to her? Uh, so, so you're giving her the, you're talking about pruning the hydrangea, you're talking about pruning the bleeding heart. Uh, the bleeding heart. No, you don't so, need to. She'll, okay, just just give it to her the way it is. Right. Her, and then, you know, <laughs> that way she can say, you really gave me a plant. Because if you cut it all off, she's going to say, what is this? Just a big box yeah. of dirt. Okay. But now my hydrangea, it, what it was, it was a, uh, a uh, plant that was given to my wife in the uh, uh, nursing home. And I brought it home from that and kept it in the house. And so each winter, each fall, and then I bring it in the house, keep it in here to the spring. Well, I'm sorry. I have a different plant. I'm sorry. <laughs> but but the hydrangea, no, I put it in the ground outside. And like I said, it's been out there now for five years. And, it, boy, this year it was beautiful. Great. The blooms on it were unbelievable. And uh, that's why I was just wondering. Uh, so I just prune it back to maybe two, three inches from the ground? No, I'd leave it alone. If you had great success and you hadn't pruned it previously, then just leave it alone. We start monkeying around with too much with stuff. Okay. I thank you for your time, sir. Sure. You do a service for the community. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Janet's yard. Hi, Janet. Hello. Hi. Hi. I would like some help, please. I, um, I'm wondering, I have six... Um, a, a gram bandy boxwoods and three gold mops. I put them out in July, and I watered them a lot. I mean, it's not like I, they were starting for water, and they're all seem to be dying. You're kind of breaking up. I'm sorry. Um, you hear me better now? Yes. Yeah, okay. I have six gram bandies, uh, boxwoods, that I put out in July, and also three gold mops. And they're both, they're, all of them are dying. And I've watered them consistently, so it's, I put them out in early July, so it's been two months. I was just wondering if there's anything I could do to save them. That doesn't sound good. Planting those kind of sh- you know, shrubs in the heat of the summertime is mm-hmm. really a bit, somewhat of a mistake. I mean, okay. you can have success with it, but generally it's going to be a sort of like a downhill circumstance. So if okay. basically just kind of leave them alone and keep your fingers crossed, but it doesn't sound good. Well, if they continue to die, would it be better to take them out this fall since uh, it's better to plant in the fall? Uh, if you can find replacements and you want to go ahead and do that. It sounds like you bought them on sale at the end of the garden season. No, and... I bought them full price. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, nice. in July. Uh-huh. From a very good nursery. Okay. Well, it's just, you know, planting that time of year. and, and pl- Did you plant them or did you have somebody no, else plant No, I had plant? a landscaper do it. Okay. So hopefully you planted them high and everything else. And hopefully you didn't water overwater them too much, you know. Other than the first two weeks after they're planted, where you mm-hmm. water pretty much every day or every other day, depending upon the weather. Uh, beyond that, if you keep watering too much, that can be problem in its own self. Okay, I did water almost every day, not deeply, but I watered because it, the, the soil was really dry. It was so hot these past two months. Right. So maybe that's what I did wrong. Then. Yeah, you might have just drowned them. Okay. Okay. I just wondered. I thought maybe it would be better to wait till spring. But on the other hand, it's better to plant in the fall. Absolutely. Pretty much anything because the ground is warm and that encourages root system growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you very much. That's just my mind. Not at ease, but a little bit better. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Janet. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and we're headed over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, question. If your uh, birch tree drops a seed and you get a little tree out of it, is it son of a birch? <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> okay, now for the real question. First of all, uh, I live down by the Bebo, so thank you for coming to my neighborhood and looking around. Sure. Okay, uh, last year... I grew some tomatoes, and my brother grew some tomatoes. He lives out in Arnold, and his friends out there grew tomatoes. And this year we grew tomatoes, and we get white stuff inside of them. And it's real hard when you try to slice them. Do you have an idea what that is and what caused it? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a nutrient thing, and it's related to the weather. So uh, I, I, you know, I don't have the information with me right now, but a couple weeks ago I talked about some of the problems that the, some of the tomato growers had, and that's one of the things. And it was related to the weather, the nutrients, and everything else. So it's just, you know, the quirkiness of the weather this year caused that. Okay. And, you know, just one other thing I wanted to tell you, that when we had this real hot spell, it just about knocked out my tomato plants and some of my pepper plants. And since we had a break now, Everything's coming back. The plants are turning green again, and they're all blossoming, so I'm going to have another crop of peppers and tomatoes. Well, good luck, because I don't think they're going to have time to actually set fruit and the fruit well, I got lots of fruit again, lots of peppers and tomatoes again. They well, great. The tomatoes aren't ripening yet, but I got lots of tomatoes again and peppers. Well, great. Good luck with that. All right. Thank you very much. You have a good weekend. Yeah, you Enjoy too. Enjoy the balloon race. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I live in the, well, not exactly the Bevo neighborhood, but a little bit further south on Gra- off Gravoy. But, anyway, thanks, Matt. And now yep. let's go over to Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. I have a question. Uh, we had uh, two oak trees taken out of our front yard. We had the stumps ground, and we had dirt put in. And come spring, we'd like to put the zoysia strips in. Is there anything we need to do now to prepare that soil? And once we put the strips down, do we put a, roll them and flatten them? Or tell me what I need to do. Basically, you should add some organic matter. I don't know what kind of soil. If it just put topsoil in, we don't know what this topsoil is. But you should put something in there. But just realize it's going to be, even though all the chips and everything were taken out and you know, new soil is put in, it's still going to be very difficult because the tree root system is still there and still viable. And there's still going to be some wood there. And that's going to make anything that you plant there, whether it's zoysia sod or whether it's anything else, a difficult have a difficult time to get established. So just you're just going to have to be patient, and it's going to be a, kind of a long struggle. Okay, so once we put the strips down, you want us first to put like mill organite on that soil and let it, you know, till spring? Yeah, you could do that. Uh, I mean, uh, you could just just make sure that, you know, I would probably add some organic matter as opposed to, well, mill organite, you can do that if you want to. There's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, yeah, just go ahead, work it in, and uh, then lay this, make sure when you put the sod down, that it is in good contact with the existing soil that it's being placed on. So it, so the root system can start going into the ground immediately. So that would mean you'd want to, should we roll it then to make sure it gets flattened down 
into the soil? Yeah, I mean, you could roll it if you have a roller. Oh, okay. Most Otherwise, people... just kind of walk on it and press it down? Yeah, just, you know, kind of do a, a short dance step. <laughs> okay. And then make sure, you know, for the depending upon when you put it down, it's going to be the availability is problematic from that standpoint, but also that you don't let it go through any kind of drought stress whatsoever because the root system has got to be, you know, aggressive and get down into the ground to be able to survive our summertime. So we've got to keep it moist, yeah, okay. Yeah, not wet, but moist, yes. Moist, right. All right, thank you for all your help. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Jason's, and Jason lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Jason. Hey, Mike. Good morning. So I'm thinking of planting one peach tree, one apple tree, one pear tree, and I see them around everywhere. You'll see them in front of schnooks at the right time. So where would you recommend that I source a, you know, a tree of some sort of significance so I don't have to wait as long as you know I'm not very patient? And uh, when do I plant that? Basically, fall is a great time to plant. What you want to do is you want to get a dwarf tree because they're going to start producing fruit sooner than a semi-dwarf or a standard size. Because you're looking at, if you plant a standard size tree, you're probably looking at eight, you know, six to eight years before you're going to get any kind of fruit off of it at all, basically. Semi-dwarf, about half that time. And then a dwarf tree, about three years, you should be able to start getting some fruit off of it. And it's not going to get very tall, I, I assume, by that name. Right, exactly. Okay. All right, Mike, where do I get these? Uh, go to a year-round garden center. Don't go to Big Box or anything or Snooks or anything like that because they don't take care of the plants the way they should that a regular nursery is going to take care of. So forest keeling? Yeah, forest keeling is fine. Okay. All right, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's uh, let's go ahead and go over to Carol's house. Hi, Carol. Yes, Mike. I have a question about um, those surprise lilies. When is the best time to um, more or less split them up? Uh, I would say don't bother doing it. Just leave them alone. Well, well I wanted to, to get a, a bulb and, and um, give it to my daughter. That's the reason why I wanted to maybe split them. Okay, you could do that. Uh, Best time is probably going to be the flowers already come up. Have you cut the flower stalk off? Yes. Okay, yes. so do you, then you don't know exactly where they are. No, well, I know where they are. Okay, so you could dig them up now because they can be planted, you know, in the fall. Okay, all right. Just okay. make sure that, you know, there's no nicks on it or anything else. All when, right. When you dig it up. All right, thank you. Sure. Okay. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and we're headed into Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis. Hey, good morning. Uh, real quick, this is the time to plant the tulips in the ground, and I... Occasionally see older white trees out in the country that have white paint painting them up about four feet up the trunk. What's that all about? That's, you know, in theory, that's supposed to be borers, which can land on trees, trunks, lower, and they always go to the lower part of the trunk. They don't like to land on white, but I don't know if that's not really a, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's an old wives' tale, but it's something that used to be done a lot. 
But as time has gone on, it's not really done that much. And as far as tulips, it's too early to plant them. So wait until probably towards uh, mid to late October into mid to late November. You can put them in the ground. Thank you very much. Yep. And let's see, where should we go now? Let's go over to Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Hi, Mike. Hi. We we have a one uh, 35-year-old oak tree. We believe it's pin oak. Okay. And it has these, like, balls that are a mass of leaves. I think they call it gall. Right. What, what can we do about that? Uh, there's not really a whole lot you can do. I mean... Uh, What that is is a wasp that lives in your oak trees, and when the female lays its eggs, those eggs actually cause that gall, and it's a protective thing to prevent, let's say, this wasp, for whatever reason, genetically and everything else, that protects the larvae of the wasp as it's growing, and then they emerge out of that gall. And the reason, and they'll just drop. Usually, it breaks off at the gall. That's why you see the leaves attached to it, but it doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean, you can try an injection system, and it's you know how much it costs. I would just call it a tree service. But to be honest with you, there's not a whole lot you can do. Is is it a good idea to cut those off yourself? Uh, that's a lot of work, and. But you're not necessarily going to get—the wasps have a tendency to kind of stay around the tree where they were born. So you could cut all of them off, and probably the majority that you're cutting off does don't necessarily have the eggs in them right now. They may have emerged already. Sometimes they use the same—you know, they'll lay the eggs in the same lump or gall. And so it just depends. It's a lot of work, and it's— Basically, all the red oak family members, which a pin oak is one, versus the white oaks, they don't get the galls. So it's just, you know, unfortunately, people weren't that conscious when they were putting the trees in. But we don't really see any wasps uh, flying around the tree, but they're in there, right? Yeah, the wasps are not the classic kind of wasps. So they're going to be small up in the top of the tree. Oh, Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, sorry. There's not a whole lot you can do. And, okay. Is it going to die? Uh, sometimes it can get so many that uh, it can cause problems. The weight of the gall will cause a crack in the branch. Then you get water running into the crack, and you get heartwood rot. So it, it uh, in and of itself won't kill them, but it can lead to a death. All right. Thank you. Sure. And Les, can you do it kind of quickly? Hello, Les. No, I guess Les. Hello. Yeah, you got to do it kind of quick. I've got a couple of half barrels that I put some zucchini plants in. They bloom, 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 but they never got a zucchini. They they fly real big and fold back up, dry up, and bloom drops off, and there's no zucchini. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of surprising. So, I mean, if they're looking good, you know, why they're not giving you any zucchini, I don't know. They, I've had probably, I don't know, probably over 50 blooms, and I haven't got a zucchini yet. Oh, really? Maybe you should go out there and try to cross-pollinate them yourself with, like, a Q-tip. Well, I tried with my finger, but that didn't work. Yeah. 
you know, try maybe try something else to get you, you know, to see if you can get them pollinated. Yeah, zucchinis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're in the cucumber family, so they should probably. I mean, cross pollinate really if you're getting that many flowers. So why they're not cross pollinating, I'm not really sure. I guess we don't have enough bugs anymore. I guess. <laughs> well, sometimes they can which, be wind pollinated which, too. Which we don't. I mean, we don't have. Even a 10% amount of bugs as we used to. Oh, is that right? Woman said, if you don't believe it, check your windshield. <laughs> Very true. Well, thanks, Les. Okay. Yeah, good luck in the, you know, in the future. And maybe, uh, you know, why you're not getting them, you know, not getting any kind of fruit at all. But in a half, you know, half barrel, that's not a whole lot of space. So that may have something to do with maybe try planting them in the ground and see what happens. And Kevin, Joe, and Ray, sorry, it looks like we're not going to have enough time to get to you. But uh, the Garden Hotline should be back next week, I would think. You know, who knows? But uh, anyway, thanks to everybody who called in. I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, boy, last weekend of summer. So get out there and party on. Unfortunately, all the swimming pools are closed. Outdoor pools. Indoor pools are open. But uh, just enjoy and take it easy. And start watching for fall color. Next week, I'm going to talk about what makes the leaves change into fall colors. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 